Here comes Brock Besser in on goal. Waits, save! And Biddington wins again! And the Bulls win 3-2 in a shootout. And the Jets come into Arizona and skate away with a victory that locks up home ice for them in the first round of the playoffs against the St. Louis Blues. Welcome to the Blue Line Podcast, presented by The Athletic St. Louis. Now here are your hosts, Jeremy Rutherford and Cristiano Simonetta. And welcome to Episode 7 of the Blue Line Podcast, brought to you by The Athletic St. Louis. My name is Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic St. Louis. I'll bring in Cristiano Simonetta in just a minute. But we finally have playoffs to talk about. The Blues are in the playoffs. Yes, we uh, had several podcasts throughout the regular season. We didn't know if this day would come, especially back in December. Things look pretty bleak. But the Blues, indeed, will open up this Wednesday, Game 1 against the Winnipeg Jets. We'll get into the series. We'll get into uh, the matchup. What are the key factors uh, head-to-head Blues versus the Jets, and of course we'll get into things like the goaltending, Jordan Bennington, how will he do in the spotlight of the playoffs, a lot to be uh, seen and heard throughout the series, we'll break it down for you heading into game one on Wednesday, and now I bring in Cristiano, this is going to be something, isn't it? It really is, and not only because the Blues are back in the playoffs after missing the postseason last year, but for the seventh time in eight seasons, the Blues are headed to the dance, the tournament, and in an incredible fashion, the way that they were able to turn around this season, it's something to marvel at, but again, the work is not done yet. There's still 16 wins for them to accomplish if they want to hoist Lord Stanley in June. And we touched on the fact that we didn't think this was a probable scenario uh, back in January. January 3rd, Cristiano, and I know it's been written and talked about a lot, uh, but back on January 3rd, the Blues were last in the league with 34 points and only six teams that had been last in the league in points after the new year made the playoffs. The Blues become the seventh team to do that. Only one of those teams, the Washington Capitals, won their division. The Blues almost won the division. As a matter of fact, for a couple hours, and this is before Nashville and Winnipeg wrapped up their games on Saturday, the Blues were first place in the Central Division. So although it didn't work out that way, thus we have the matchup Blues and Winnipeg to even own that spot for a couple hours. Pretty remarkable. Exactly, and you mentioned that stat teams after January 1st or their 20th game of the season, if they're last in the NHL or even close to that, it's very tough for them to turn that around, get back in the postseason. The Blues were able to do that and then some, like you mentioned, holding that number one spot in the Central. But for the most part, I think Blues fans are going to be excited, Jeremy, about the way that the Blues are playing, not just their finishing point in the standings, but their recent run going 8-1-1 and and in their last 10 games heading into the postseason. Well, and that leads me into our first topic of the podcast here, Cristiano, and that is the fact that we have a matchup of the St. Louis Blues against the Winnipeg Jets, who were one of the Stanley Cup contenders. If you had to list two, three, four teams at the start of the season that you thought would win the Stanley Cup, the Winnipeg Jets were certainly one of them, and they got off to an incredible start. Uh, It looked like everybody was right about the Winnipeg Jets, Uh, but in the last couple months, at the same time while the Blues were turning their season around, and putting themselves back into playoff contention. The Winnipeg Jets, even though they wound up qualifying, uh, haven't been playing very good hockey. 16, 15, and 3 since the All-Star break. I did a story at the Athletic St. Louis. It's up today on the website with uh, my colleague in Winnipeg, uh, Murat Atiz. And and Murat says that uh, they're limping in. He said, let's be honest about this Winnipeg team. They're limping into the playoffs. 
What do we see in this matchup? Well, you see some size down the middle. I think with Winnipeg acquiring Kevin Hayes and, and the superstars that they have with Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, Ehlers, Perot, you can go down that entire lineup of depth forwards. They're going to be able to put pucks in the back of the net. They were the seventh highest scoring team in the NHL, and also they've got that bruising defense of Dustin Bufflin. I mean, Jacob Truba can go two-way. Tyler Myers, you do want to keep your head up when you're skating to the neutral zone. And then Connor Hellebuck. We'll talk about the goaltenders in just a minute. But Connor Hellebuck has arguably owned the St. Louis Blues in his career against St. Louis. 6-3, and three, a 1.66 goals against average. It's going to be a huge test for the St. Louis Blues to compete with Winnipeg up and down the ice because these are two bruising physical teams that can provide some offense. Yeah, and that's that's the thing that I think about first and foremost about the Winnipeg Jets. Every time I watch them play, it's the fact that they're big and they have a ton of speed. And, uh, you know, a lot of NHL teams have one of those. I remember, you know, you're talking 2009, 2010, 2011, those L.A. King teams uh, were big, and that's how they won their Stanley Cups. The Blues tried to uh, copy that, and it didn't work out. Since then, Cristiano, the league has evolved. You had Chicago kind of ahead of the curve, Pittsburgh probably ahead of the curve. They had the speed and, and skill. Uh, but Winnipeg has a little bit of both. They just don't seem to be on top of their game uh, the past couple months. But, Cristiano, I'm a person who believes that, uh, uh, you know, you, you're playing the way they are. Uh, you can still turn it on at some point. This is a team that's got a, a high expectation, some pressure on it uh, to win the Cup. And I feel like when the puck drops, we could see a different Winnipeg team. They've got the ingredients. They just need to perform. And the funniest thing about the first couple names I listed for the Winnipeg Jets, Patrick Laine is listed on their third line at right wing. And we know Patrick Laine, especially St. Louis Blues fans, know all too well about how his ability, his wrist shot, his slap shot, his one-time ability, his deking through the middle, his puck control, everything about this guy has been spectacular against the St. Louis Blues. 13 goals in 12 games played against the Blues in his career. That's the second-highest goal total that the Finn has against any team in his career. He's only scored more against the Dallas Stars, so he's explosive against the Central Division. The Blues will try and contain him. And the Blues know exactly how explosive he is. It was November 24th, 2018, when Patrick Laine scored five against the St. Louis Blues. I think that's still etched in the minds of a lot of St. Louisans, an 8-4 victory over St. Louis. And that gave Laine 19 goals in 22 games. That was early on in the season. And I joked around with my colleague at the Athletic uh, Winnipeg, Murat, and I said, so what did he finish the season with? Uh, 80 or 90, right? If he had 19 and 22, he had to finish with 80 or 90 goals. And the answer is 30. So what happened? What happened to Patrick Laine? He's just been streaky. So the Blues obviously still will have to focus on Laine, uh, try to contain him. But, uh, you know, Patrick Laine not scoring down the stretch, that's one of the explanations probably for why the Jets aren't playing as well as they did earlier in the season. 11 goals in 60 games after that five-goal outing, and only five of those were at even strength. So six of them on the power play, and you want to talk about special teams, the Jets boasting a terrific power play, fourth best in the league after 82 games, but they were struggling in that second half, and it's not like they have the best penalty kill in the league either. That's ranked 22nd, and the Blues are going to have to attack this series in a lot of different ways, but if they get those early power plays like we've seen them play the past 10 or 12 games or so, they've been capitalizing. They've been able to make their opponents pay, and any chance you get to jump on Winnipeg in games one and two at MTS Center, it's going to be uh, fortunate for the visitors to do so because the Blues are terrific when they've scored first this year. Yeah, I think a key to the series 
Uh, going back to what we were saying a second ago, talking about this Jets uh, team and, and their struggles and Patrick Laine's struggles, Cristiano, is how are they going to approach a series against a rookie goaltender, Jordan Bennington? And uh, when you think about how to do that, you think about crashing the crease and, and putting the pressure on him, kind of rattling him. You remember the game in Anaheim? We saw Jordan Bennington, uh, who was at Corey Perry, who he kind of lashed out a little bit. We've seen an incident in the minor leagues where Jordan Bennington did the same thing, kind of skated out and, and took a whack at a guy. So, you know, you can get under his skin, and nobody knows how he's going to respond in the playoffs. So I expect, I expect this Winnipeg Jets team uh, to be heavy in front of the net. And especially the shots from the point, too. I mean, Dustin Bufflin, one of the best from the point, especially in the Central Division, and also Truba, Josh Morrissey, if he's able to come back. But you mentioned those big guys right in front of Bennington's kitchen. They're going to be right around that blue paint. There's going to be some elbows, some shoulders lightly thrown, and it's going to be up to Bennington to fight through all that traffic because you know, Jeremy, if you're trying to beat a hot goaltender, you're going to need eyes to be taken away from him. Sticks in lanes, and we know Winnipeg is very good at deflecting the puck in the low slot too, so Bennington's going to have a challenge in front of him. But also, it's the Blues' defense that is going to have to stand up to those guys outside the blue paint if they're able to be successful in that regard as well. So how do we see Jordan Bennington responding to the spotlight? He's been nothing but magnificent throughout this regular season. He starts the year fourth on the depth chart uh, behind Jake Allen, behind Chad Johnson, uh, behind Billy Huso. He obviously, we know the story, gets the net. First uh, game he has a shutout, and all he does after... Uh, ranking fourth on the organizational depth chart at the start of the season is lead the league in goals against average with a 1.89. I think he's fourth or fifth in save percentage. He's been outstanding, but the playoffs are a different animal. When I think about Jordan Bennington, and I answered this question in in the story that's up today at the Athletic St. Louis, uh, and whether he can handle the spotlight, I think structurally, I think positionally, I think uh, the technique of the position, he'll handle himself. I don't think that um, we're going to see a goaltender who all of a sudden starts to slide around or he starts to try to do too much or that outstanding glove hand that we've seen throughout the regular season just disappears, you know, and, and now the game plan is to beat Jordan Bennington on the glove side. I think um, it's mental. I think the only thing that Jordan Bennington is probably going to have to overcome is the big stage, and I'll have a piece up at uh, the Athletic St. Louis in a couple days on what people around the league think about him and how they can expect him to handle it. I did talk to Cam Ward, who won a Stanley Cup with the Carolina Hurricanes as a rookie goaltender, and he gave some advice to Jordan Bennington. I'll touch on that in the article. But to me, Cristiano, I don't think it's going to be playing the position. I think it's going to be dealing with the stage. It's just such a unique stage for Jordan Bennington to be upon in this postseason. You don't see a lot of rookie goaltenders be their starters of their team, and not only that, lead their team out of a huge hole in the middle of the season. I mean, Jordan Bennington, 24-5-1 in the regular season, just phenomenal numbers, 1.89 goals against, .297 save percentage like you alluded to, those numbers being at the tops of the league. It's going to be the emotional factor. We've all heard the same clipping in the locker room. Hey, do I look nervous? Well, we don't know how he's going to respond in the first couple games against Winnipeg. Is he going to look nervous if a Patrick Line shot whistles past his mask and into the net and you hear that 
whiteout crowd explode in Winnipeg. It's an incredible atmosphere to be a part of as a fan, as a player, as a coach, whatever. It's going to be interesting to see how he responds if the Blues go down early in these games. What about overtime games? We've seen him. He got beat against the New York Islanders a couple of months ago in overtime. But other than that, he's been spectacular in big-time pressure situations, especially in the shootout, too. Those breakaways, I mean, sure, it's a skills competition. doesn't really mean too much in terms of, of a hockey game, but those are breakaways against the top players. And he stopped 10 out of 11 shots. So he's proven when the spotlight has been zoned in on him, he hasn't faltered. But the playoffs, just like a lot of these Blues, it's going to be a different story to see if they're going to thrive, not only survive. Yeah, one thing, uh, I spoke to Corey Hirsch for this article too. He, of course, is the uh, former Blues goaltending coach. He played in the league, and uh, now he is a uh, color analyst for the Vancouver Canucks. Spoke to him the other night, and Corey Hirsch said the reason that he feels that Jordan Binnington is in a good place here is because he's on top of his game, but uh, more importantly, the Blues defense. We all know that the story the first couple months of the season, and probably why they got in that hole, was the defensive play. It was not good. Uh, you had uh, It seemed like every night there was a puck going in off the skate of Jay Bomeister. People wanted him to, to be a healthy scratch, um, uh, but since since December, the Blues 5-on-5 has been terrific defensively. They finish with the fifth fewest goals against in the league. I believe it's uh, 220. And as a matter of fact, some news today, Cristiano, uh, Jay Bowmeister re-signed a one-year extension, $3.25 million. So Jay Bowmeister will be back. Uh, but this is a defense that that is healthy. You've got Carl Gunnarsson back in the lineup. Joel Edmondson returned with a couple games to go in the regular season. It's funny how everybody gets healthy when the playoffs are getting ready to start, right? So uh, the Blues are healthy. And uh, you know I think that the defense has been playing very well now for a long, long stretch. So Jordan Bennington is going to be able to rely on this group in front of him. Yeah, the Blues look so different when Jordan Bennington's in the crease versus whether Jake Allen's in the crease. And sure, some of that may be warranted on Jake Allen's previous play and the confidence that they have in the goaltender, whatever you want to throw out. Bottom line is, when Jordan Bennington starts game one and two, the Blues are going to face a hellacious Fury from Winnipeg in the early stages are going to be feeding off of that crowd. And don't forget, Jeremy, this team, the Winnipeg Jets, they were able to get to the conference final last year. They were ousted in five games against the Vegas Golden Knights. And what a story those Golden Knights were with Marc-Andre Fleury arguably stealing the series with how good he was in between the pipes. And Jordan Bennington is going to have to be that guy because we know Winnipeg can really put the puck in the back net at ease. They're so succinct and their ability to break through the neutral zone and they're passing along the goal line, especially on the power play, it's something that the Blues are going to have to focus on and survive those charges because you look at any of the Winnipeg Jets' forward lines, surprisingly, even their bottom line with Adam Lowry, Par Lindholm, and Jack Roslovic, they scored a couple of goals in the last couple of games of the season that really helped Winnipeg turn the tide and get in front of St. Louis to acquire home ice advantage. So it's going to be the unsung heroes. It's going to be the superstars that are going to stand out to me. It's going to be everybody, I think, a collective effort from the Blues and the Jets to determine who's going to take home this series. Yeah, let's look at these uh, top lines for each team, especially we want to focus in on the Blues. But that top line, I think you've touched on it, Kyle, Connor, Mark Shifley, and Blake Wheeler. That's an outstanding line. I love the skill of a Blake Wheeler. And by the way, what a leader, too. He had a uh, closed-door meeting with the team with a couple games to go in the regular season. Got those guys playing better. They came from behind against Arizona to secure the home ice advantage against the Blues. You look at uh, Ehlers on that second line. Uh, they brought in uh, Kevin Hayes, and uh, then you have Matthew Perot there. Uh, no 
little Paul Stastny. They took a stab at, at, at trying to win when they made that big deal with the St. Louis Blues trying to bring Paul Stastny, and it led to a long run. Uh, but Paul Stastny moved on to the Vegas Golden Knights. But still a lot of skill, a lot of size there, like I, I talked about, uh, and uh, we'll get into the Blues. But what are your thoughts on, on that uh, front six, that top six for the Jets? They're big. They're mean. I mean, what do you want me to say, Jeremy? They're so effective and especially acquiring Kevin Hayes down the middle. We always talk about the Western Conference, the teams that boast those great one, two, three punch centers down the middle. Sure, you could talk about Toronto and their excellent assortment of guys down the middle, but also Winnipeg with Shifley, Hayes, Brian Little, who's been on the Winnipeg Jets, and of course the Atlanta Thrashers, it seems, like forever. He's a guy who's a veteran trying to prove himself and win a Stanley Cup as he ages. So these guys are going to come at you with everything they have. It's going to be a series where the Blues are going to have to push back. They're going to have to be physical. You can't let these guys walk right down Broadway and drive to the front of the net because not only is that going to cause havoc for the ensuing rebound chance, but what about Jordan Bennington? He's going to be taking some bumps. He's going to be taking some guys crashing his net, and it's up to his defense to stand up. I already alluded to this earlier in the podcast, but the Blues have to be feisty here. You saw the way they responded against Chicago in 2016. Dallas as well, even San Jose in the early portions of that series. When the Blues play that big style of game where Robert Bortuzzo, when he's at his best, he's physical and he's tough to play against. If that's the type of Blues defense we'll see, they're going to fare pretty well against the Jets, even though Winnipeg's still going to get their fair share opportunities no matter what because they're just that good. This is Episode 7 of the Blue Line Podcast brought to you by The Athletic St. Louis. I am Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic St. Louis. We have Cristiano Simonetta. That's the voice that you hear on the other side. Now, Cristiano, let's get into the Blues and their line combinations heading into the playoffs. The top line, uh, we touched on uh, the Jets' top line, that the Blues will bring uh, Braden Shen, Ryan O'Reilly, and Vladimir Tarasenko into this series as the top line. And I did some number crunching last night for that piece at The Athletic. Uh, Cristiano, they played 23 of the Blues' last 34 regular season games together. Uh, they were not together for 11 because Shen missed six with a concussion. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko missed five with an elbow injury. But in the 23 games that they played together, they combined for 21 goals and 82 points. 82 points in 23 games from that line. Uh, they, they've been really good. I think that uh, you give Shen credit. Uh, he moves to the wing. He wants to be a center. He's played center uh, one and a half seasons with the St. Louis Blues before they ask him to move to the wing. But how can you not want to play with Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko? Those two, uh, the two best uh, Blues players this season, I believe, especially O'Reilly, the all-star. Uh, but Tarasenko, you look at him this last stretch, he has been so engaged. And I know it's been times this season he's been that way. Uh, but what I saw the other night, Vladimir Tarasenko sliding head first like he's trying to steal second base into the crease to break up a, a scoring chance the other night. Uh, just terrific. So that top line is going to be a load for the Winnipeg Jets to handle. Oh, they've elevated their game for sure. And you want to talk about Vladimir Tarasenko. After January 3rd, where the Blues were last in the National Hockey League, 22 goals, 24 assists in 39 games. So above a point-per-game player. And Ryan O'Reilly, what else can you say about him? He's an all-star. He's their top-line center. And probably, if he had my vote, JR, of course, we're a little bit biased in terms of me because I've watched this guy for so many years through Colorado, through Buffalo. He's been on teams that were struggling. He's got to be a Selkie Award finalist, and if he's not the winner, I really want to see who's going to rival him. And speaking of rivaling, this top line for St. Louis, look at the Boston Bruins, David Pasternak, Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron. 
two of the top lines in the entire National Hockey League, and the Blues' top line isn't really talked about as much, maybe because they're in that Western Conference, or maybe now since they've had this sort of resurgence and they've been reunited over the past, like you said, 20-plus games. They can beat you in so many different ways. We're going to see Braden Shen and Ryan O'Reilly's first taste of playoff action in a St. Louis Blues uniform. They're going to let it all go, just like the Winnipeg Jets will, and this is the fun type of the NHL season, the postseason, the Stanley Cup playoffs, anything can happen and just watching number 90 number 10 and number 91 skate out there for the blues in game one it's going to be fun to watch yeah Cristiano, you bring up a really good point i'm really happy for ryan o'reilly only a couple playoff appearances throughout his career kind of developed a reputation of being part of some bad losing teams uh, I, I haven't seen that this year i haven't seen any kind of effect that he's had in that way in fact it's been uh, the opposite so ryan o'reilly a career high 77 points this year I believe he ties his, his career high with 28 goals and as far as the self I'm going to do my uh, ballot probably tomorrow. And at this point in time, uh, I believe I'm going to go with Ryan O'Reilly as the top choice for the Selkie. I think his biggest competition is Mark Stone, who goes from Ottawa uh, to Vegas during the season. I love Bergeron. I think Patrice Bergeron is one of the best players in the NHL. Uh, but I just don't know that uh, he has the games played uh, or that uh, he's had as big of an impact as he had in past years when he's won that Selkie. So I think that's a really good chance that Ryan O'Reilly uh, could win that award. Let's get to the other Blues lines. After Shen O'Reilly and Tarasenko, the way it looks like it's going to shape up uh, is Jaden Schwartz, Oscar Sundquist, and David Perron. And you look at that line, and, and this is why, you know, going into a playoff series like this, Cristiano, sometimes, whether it be the Blues or whomever, I, I like a team's chances when you have – a, a guy who's underperformed, Jaden Schwartz, perhaps, you know, he turns things around in the playoffs. I realize that's a big perhaps, but the opportunity is there. He's a better player than what he's shown. And on the other side of that line, you look at David Perron. Uh, he's a guy who's kind of got a reputation of not being able to deliver in the playoffs. I think he just had the one point and assist a couple years ago for the Blues in 11 playoff games. Then he goes to Vegas and didn't put up a ton of uh, production in that run that they had to the uh, Stanley Cup Finals. So there are two opportunities for the Blues to be even better uh, on that line with Oscar Sundquist, who's had a magnificent year. Yeah, and I'm one of the guys who has been very critical of David Perron throughout his postseason career. I would always joke last postseason, oh, he's never going to score in the Stanley Cup Final, never going to score. He just is not able to do it. And the goal that he scores, it was the one, I believe, in Game 2 or 3, or maybe it was game five. No, it was game five, actually, where it went off of his back as he was already pushed into the net. So he got credit <laughs> for that one. But on a serious note, David Perron has done almost everything right. This year for the St. Louis Blues, he would have been, what, a 65-plus point guy if he would have played out uh, that regular season in terms of 82 games. And Oscar Sundquist, he's a guy I'm going to circle. 14 goals in the regular season. Coming out of nowhere, he plays the game right at both sides of the rink. Defensively, he's strong. He's great on the penalty kill. And Jaden Schwartz, I joked a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago even, he's saving up all his goals for the postseason because he has been terrific in the playoffs. You saw that series against Nashville a couple of years ago, also against Dallas, against Chicago. He seems to score those key, those crucial goals right around the net. And that's where the Blues are going to have to excel. It's not going to be these shots from the high slot with no traffic. Connor Hellebuck is going to stop those night and day. But if you're able to break the Jets' defense down, get those pucks through from the point into the low slot right around the blue paint, that's where Jaden Schwartz, Oscar Sundquist, and David Perron are going to thrive. 
and maybe turn the tide for St. Louis because the Blues, we've talked about them and their lack of forward depth over the past couple years. Now they have not one, not two, not three, but even that bottom line that can contribute as well. Now to the bottom six for the St. Louis Blues. Uh, Cristiano, I think this has been one of the Blues' better lines, maybe not in terms of goals and points, but they get into the offensive zone, they control the puck, and they make things happen. And that's the line of Patrick Maroon, Tyler Bozak, and Robert Thomas. Bozak missed the last game of the regular season, had a little fender bender prior to the game. Uh, The Blues held him out, so Robbie Fabry got a chance to play. Uh, But uh, Tyler Bozak back out on the ice today as the Blues get ready for Game 1 on Wednesday. So I would expect that you'd see Maroon, Bozak, and Thomas on that third line. And then look at this fourth line. Uh, To me, has been one of the big storylines the past couple weeks is the play of Alexander Steen, him accepting that role, playing on the fourth line. Hey, do you have a choice to accept it? Not really. You know, the coaches say we want you to play on the fourth line. That's how it goes. Uh, But to me, Alex Steen has swallowed his pride a little bit and went out and played some of his best hockey, that fourth line, Zach Sanford, Ivan Barbashev, and Alexander Steen. Seen a, a two-goal game uh, here recently. Uh, I think he'll be uh, on that line, and he'll be a big contributor on the penalty kill. And I think uh, his experience, his leadership, really helps that line. Yeah, in his mid-30s especially, Alexander Steen knows that this may be one of his last couple of runs at that elusive Stanley Cup. And Ivan Barbashev isn't just a spring chicken in this situation. He was put on that top line with Vladimir Tarasenko and Paul Stasny a couple of years ago as only, what, a third-year player, a second-year player? The confidence that the coaching staff gave to Ivan in that situation, he thrived, in my opinion, against the Minnesota Wild. I thought he was great, maybe not his face-off numbers, but his possession numbers were solid, and the Blues ended up winning that series against the Wild. So Barbashev He has upped his game as well with Alexander Steen on that right wing. And don't forget about Alexander Steen because he has scored some of the biggest playoff goals in recent memory for the St. Louis Blues. Of course, that triple OT winner against Chicago and that goal where he stole the puck from Jonathan Quick in game one against the L.A. Kings in overtime. Zach Sanford on that left wing is a bit of a question mark. Robbie Fabry can also be inserted in this 12 of forwards and we know Robbie Fabry's run in 2016 very well second on the team in points as a rookie right behind Vladimir Tarasenko Fabry's been starting to put it uh, together the past couple weeks and if his number gets called we may see the Dimitri Yaskin effect Jeremy of when you put him in that playoff game and maybe he's able to score a big goal and cement his role in the lineup moving forward. Okay, let's touch on the defense before we uh, wrap up Episode 7 of the Blue Line podcast here in just a bit. Uh, Vince Dunn gets that assignment with Alex Petrangelo a couple weeks ago, and he's played really well. I think it's 13 or 14 straight games down the stretch that he's played with Petrangelo. I know that Craig Berube in-game has made a change and dropped Vince Dunn, moving up a guy like Carl Gunnarsson. Sometimes Dunn gets a little too risky, and in the playoffs, you know, a simple little uh, bad decision by him to jump up in the rush and kind of leave Petrangelo uh, back on an island could cost the Blues, but I think the Blues love his instinct, and uh, we'll find out at practice, but I think there's a good chance that Dunn starts the playoffs with Petrangelo in that top pair. Uh, Colton Pareko missed the last couple games of the regular season. Craig Berube calling it rest. Uh, I don't know if he was serious when he said that he had a mid-body injury. Perhaps we're talking about a, a groin here, but they said that uh, they wanted him to get a little bit of rest, so he sits the last two games. He'll for sure 
be back in that second pairing with Jay Bomeister. They were incredible uh, the last few months of the season. And then you got three guys playing for two spots. You got Carl Gunnarsson, Joel Edmondson, and Robert Bortuzzo. We talked about how big and physical uh, the Winnipeg Jets are. I believe that's a reason to keep Bortuzzo in the lineup. Uh, it also gives you the lefty-righty. So does it does the decision come down to Joel Edmondson and Carl Gunnarsson? Uh, if it does, who do you play? I got to believe that the Blues would go with uh, Edmondson, Carl Gunnarsson, getting back into the lineup here recently after a, a number of injuries throughout the year. Cristiano, you know, hasn't played bad, uh, but I think they probably like Joel Edmondson's game a little bit better. So those would be my picks for the top six with Carl Gunnarsson probably being the seventh guy. We'll see. And isn't that a luxury to have, Jeremy, at this stage of the season when you look at the other side and Josh Morrissey has missed 20 games? Who knows of his status for Game 1? We'll obviously hear from Paul Maurice in a couple of days as to his likelihood of playing in the beginning parts of this series. But for the Blues to be healthy on the back end, Carl Gunnarsson being an option, even Michael Delzato an option. It's interesting because the Blues have always boasted that big bruising defense, and this is going to be their biggest test, no pun intended, in the Winnipeg Jets because you look at the past couple years, it's been Minnesota, it's been Nashville, Chicago, Dallas. I don't think any of those teams match up well in terms of size as opposed to the Winnipeg Jets, who just seem to tower over their opponents each and every night. Joel Edmondson, of course, was known for his offensibility two years ago when he scored back-to-back goals in games one and two against Minnesota, one being that overtime game winner. The Blues are going to have to play as heavy as the Jets are. They're going to have to match that intensity. And like you mentioned, I think Joel Edmondson will also slide in. Gunnarsson being the first available one if Bortuzzo starts to be a little bit undisciplined or Edmondson doesn't play as well structurally. Let's talk about where this series is going to start out. That's going to be at the MTS place in Winnipeg. And, Christiana, let me tell you, this place is loud. Sometimes I have trouble focusing on writing my stories after uh, the games because uh, just how loud that building is. The the fans there in Winnipeg went without uh, hockey for a number of years. They're passionate about it, and they're going to be really passionate with the playoffs uh, starting. The Blues do have a... Uh, 1-0 victory there earlier in the year. Really impressive. Jake Allen uh, stood on his head, played very well, and the Blues came away with a victory. But here's the thing that we've yet to touch on throughout the podcast and we will do now. These teams have not seen each other since December 7th. So they played four times against each other earlier in the year, uh, but uh, none since December 7th. So you really kind of throw out those first four games uh, because these teams are different. So the Blues have since turned things around. Uh, they discovered Jordan Bennington, and uh, and they're, they're two different teams. We talked about earlier how the uh, Winnipeg Jets have kind of limped in here the past uh, few weeks to months. So I think that uh, you go into the MTS place, you know it's going to be loud, but the Blues have played some good road hockey uh, throughout the season, especially under Craig Bruby. I have him for 19-8-5 on the road since Craig Bruby took over. I know it's cliche, Cristiano, uh, but teams start to play uh, that north-south game very well on the road. You have to rely on that because of the circumstances playing on the road. Uh, the Blues, by the way, brought that game, that style home, and it's led to a lot of home success too. Um, but I think they can handle the crowd. I think they've shown that, whether it be playing in Nashville, whether it be playing in Tampa. They have some big road re- uh, road wins excuse me, on their resume, and I think that bodes well for this trip to Winnipeg. It's the smallest arena in the NHL, the Bell MTS Place, with just over 15,300 people maximum capacity for NHL games. It is going to be loud, and it is going to be a whiteout. You're not going to see too many Blues jerseys in the crowd for games one and two and maybe five or seven as the series progresses, but 
you mentioned it. The high-octane atmosphere, the Blues are going to have to play a simple game. They can't be trying those cross-ice feeds. They've got to be smart in their own zone, not trying those home-run stretch passes because, frankly, that's not really their game. And we see when they match up with teams like Chicago that can really run with that style of offense, they don't find a lot of success because they're trying to replicate their opponent's style. And sure, Winnipeg may play a much closer to the heart style as the Blues in terms of grinding you out physically, using your speed through the middle and dump and chase, but the Blues are going to have to dictate that pace early, especially in these road games, because when they've scored first, Jeremy, on the road this year, they're 16-3-2 when scoring first. They're not that good in terms of when they're down after 40 minutes. We've seen that play change a bit since Barube and the Blues' resurgence. They've had a couple of comeback wins on the road, but for the Blues, especially in the playoffs with fresh-faced guys like Jordan Bennington, Robert Thomas, and you don't really want to call fresh face, but Braden Shen or Ryan O'Reilly, who haven't been as well-versed in the postseason as of late. The Blues are going to have to strike early and often because Connor Hellebuck isn't going to allow too much, as we've already talked about. He's been great in the crease and has been known for stealing games in the postseason. He was excellent last year. He won nine games, and the Blues and the Jets, what else can you say? It's going to be a fantastic series, and I'm just excited for Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Central Time. Yeah, it's amazing how the last week uh, really changed things. You had uh, Nashville overcome a couple 2 nothing deficits to win the Central Division, that including their last game. Um, you had Winnipeg was down one to nothing to Arizona. If Arizona you know, continues on and wins that game, the Blues have home ice. Uh, the Blues lost a couple games uh, down the stretch that, that they probably should have had. You look back at the Ranger game, you had a 2 nothing lead. You lose 4-2. to two. You had the Chicago game that you were behind, and then you lose that point in the shootout. So things could be different. The Blues could be opening the first round at the Enterprise Center Wednesday night. That's not to be. They'll have to go on the road. It's going to be a, a tough way to start the series. But, Cristiano, circling back to how we open this uh, podcast, Episode 7 here, uh, the Blues are in the playoffs, and this is remarkable. Uh, we touched on it. Only seven teams in the league, including the Blues, have been in last place after January 1st and made the playoffs. They are now officially in that group. This is incredible. We've got playoff hockey to talk about. Hopefully for the next couple weeks, we'll bring it to you. We'll try to do these podcasts a little bit more often during the postseason if time allows so we can get you uh, up to speed on, on our thoughts of how the series is going. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm sure you are too. Absolutely. Like you said, the Blues are in the playoffs, and just like you predicted, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I think my prediction actually was uh, Winnipeg or Nashville 1-2 and then the Blues 3. I just didn't know that that's how they would get to 3. <laughs> they always have to make it difficult, don't they? It's been 51, 50 years of this, and as we know, especially in this first-round series, be ready to uh, stay in that MTS center, or MTS place, I should say, a couple of extra minutes because the Blues have been playing a lot of overtime games, which I'm sure you're going to love to cover now that you're not on deadline. Yep, and I am off to Winnipeg. I will leave on uh, Tuesday. We will be uh, covering the entire series, the rest of the playoffs. As a matter of fact, you'll see everything at the Athletic St. Louis. Hope to bring you the types of stories that you've been accustomed to as a subscriber at the Athletic St. Louis, in addition to these podcasts. So thank you for listening to Episode 7 of the Blue Line Podcast. Thank you to Cristiano Simonetta, and we will talk to you again once this series gets underway. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Blue Line Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Athletic St. Louis and follow the guys on Twitter.